Thank you, members of the media, for being here and everyone who's tuning in uh, to this presentation live. We appreciate you taking the time for these important updates. Uh, I'm, I'm privileged to be joined today by Secretary Collins of the Department of Health and Secretary Scrace of the Human Services Department for uh, a few what we know are very important announcements regarding both vaccinations and, and, um, and in-person learning. So I will share my screen and begin the presentation. Okay, so to give an update, uh, I'm excited to come and announce today that I have good news. It's time to ring the bell, New Mexico, and welcome our students fully back to in-person learning in our schools. The time has come to get back to what we know is the gold standard in education when we have to, when we get to physically have our students together with our teachers in classrooms and to do so safely. So our message to New Mexico public schools today is that you now can and should move as quickly as possible to get every student who wants in-person learning back into your classrooms for in-person learning every school day. This has been what we know is the longest year that we've ever faced in education. It was a year ago this month that we closed our buildings to in-person learning when coronavirus first made an appearance in New Mexico. Since that time, we were able to start slowly expanding in-person learning eligibility in elementary schools in September, as we watched and carefully monitored how the progress of the virus and the COVID safe practices that we put in place would operate here in the state. We were able to expand that further to middle schools and high schools and in all counties in the state in February. And over the last month, we've continued tracking the progress that we're making in schools, and we've continued to be guided throughout the pandemic through the guiding principles that, we, that we've held dear since, um, since the beginning of this pandemic. And number one is to prioritize the health and the safety of our students, our families, and our educators. Number two, maximizing the amount of safe in-person learning that we're able to offer and then making those decisions based on what the science and the data were telling us as that data emerged and we learned more about the virus and how to mitigate its effects. So since uh, February the 8th, we've had um, about 50,000 of our students um, who have been back in the hybrid model and we've had roughly uh, 17,000 out of the 50,000 school staff members who have been back in the hybrid model since we've expanded. And we've had a series of safety measures in place to make sure that we could do so and bring those, those students and those staff members back safely. And it's been a lot of work with a lot of people putting in many, many hours and many, many resources into making sure that we have the right COVID safe practices in our schools. We've, we've procured and distributed millions of units of PPE throughout the state. We have uh, what we feel are the strongest indoor air quality standards in the nation. We have a rapid response system and surveillance testing system, which allows us to very um, proactively track asymptomatic spread and then also be able to respond where we see cases of that spread. And as schools have moved into the hybrid learning model, we've had a partnership with our fire marshals throughout the state to conduct site certification visits to make sure that those schools were ready to open safely. So we're excited to announce the next step in safety that we're going to take um, today. And we're going to uh, talk a little bit about what's gonna happen over the next few weeks as we get every school staff member who wants a vaccine uh, to receive that vaccine here over the next few weeks. 
And this is possible because of the increase in vaccine supply that we've had and because of the substantial progress that our Department of Health has made in vaccinating the elderly and vaccinating the high risk and the shift in federal priorities when it comes to uh, vaccine distribution. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Collins from the Department of Health to talk more about the next steps that we will take with vaccine rollout for school staff members. Yes, thank you, Secretary Stewart. So in response to our federal directive, we're going to begin vaccinating K through 12 and early childhood professionals. And we're gonna make sure that we get shots in arms, first shots by the end of the month. So we want to have the primer doses in our educators, the first dose by the end of March. We're scheduling our educators through our, our portal. And so we encourage all of you to make sure that you're registered if you're an educator on our portal so that you can get your vaccine. Next slide. Could we advance the slide? Secretary, okay. are you seeing the three week rollout plan slide? I do now, yes, thank you. So the plan for rolling this out in the next three weeks is if you're currently registered, you're in week one. So that includes educators, staff, early childhood professionals outside of the Albuquerque metro area. For week two, we're then gonna move to those within the Albuquerque metro area. So those who are currently registered, educators, staff, early childhood professionals. And then for anyone who's not currently registered, you'll be, and you go and you register, we'll get you vaccinated in week three. So make sure that you do go to our portal, vaccinenm.org and get registered. Next slide. So the good news, New Mexico remains second fastest in the country for vaccine administration. 25% of New Mexicans are partially vaccinated and 14.5% are fully vaccinated. And even good, more good news, more than 680,000 vaccine doses have been administered statewide. So we have a lot to be proud of. We just gotta stay the course, keep up the good work, New Mexico. I'm now gonna turn it over to Secretary Scrace. Thank you very much, Secretary Collins, Secretary Stewart. Uh, I'm just going to catch us up from the previous press conference we had when we started uh, uh, <clears throat> the announcements that we'd reopen all schools in hybrid model or give that option to districts. That was in uh, on January 20th at when our case count, rolling seven-day average case count with a six-day lag uh, was 781. We're now at almost precisely one-third of that level, 260 today. So that's very promising, one third the number of cases. And so we said, and the CDC said, we, we had our plan together in the CDC and we came out the same day saying schools are safe. And now you can see that the count has dropped by another 67%. So that's good. That's the top line and the bottom lines are each of the regions. And you can see those have all come down nicely from that previous time as well. Next slide, if, if we can show that, is just a modeling slide I showed last week. <clears throat> just talks about the effectiveness of the vaccine. We're really seeing substantial effect of the vaccine now with case counts uh, being about 50% lower than they were 
than they would be without the vaccine. So that little graph on the left, the blue line, it come, the case counts come down and then start back up. And if you look at the dates, you can see we would be heading up now in case counts were it not for the vaccine, but we are coming down. And so the vaccine is driving that drop in case counts to a large degree, as is uh, the COVID safe practices, mask distancing, staying at home, and of course, contact tracing, which further identifies people as soon as they have a positive test, keeps them at home, identifies their contacts, and makes sure they're quarantined for 10 days. So uh, nothing really new to add, just a tremendous amount of progress from when we said schools were safe uh, almost six weeks ago. Uh, now they're even safer. Thank you. So once again, um, Secretary Stewart, go ahead. I see that you've turned your mute off. Go ahead. No, uh, Secretary Collins, I was just giving the, um, the, the homepage here if you wanted to say a word about getting registered. Yes, I appreciate that. So here you can see this is where you should go and get registered if you're not already. Um, and it's very straightforward. You get in there, you enter your information, and that way you can be assured that you can get your vaccine if you're an educator. So thank you, secretaries. So with the announcement, we're gonna have all school staff vaccinated in the next three weeks. In-person learning, we'll, we'll work to make sure that we can return safely and quickly. We'll work with every district and every charter school uh, across the state to make sure that we have the right um, COVID safe practices and that we're moving expeditiously. The expectation is all schools will be open for full in-person learning by April 5th, 2021. The other big announcement that we're going to make today NMAA sanctioned activities. So this is uh, all of our all of our sports and activities under the NMAA, in addition to music and band and choir and the other extracurricular activities may resume at all schools in accordance with our COVID safe practices and NMAA guidelines. And that's effective immediately. And I'll speak about that a little bit more as we go through the presentation. So as we shift to the full return to in-person learning. This is going to be open for all students who are seeking to return to in-person learning in the school buildings each day, so long as it does not conflict with uh, tribal sovereignty and, and tribal public health orders. Our COVID safe practices will still be in place and schools will still be practicing social distancing to the greatest extent possible. We will still be adhering to our face coverings and the hygiene requirements and maintaining communication with both our, our local and state health officials. The protocols that are outlined in the New Mexico Public Education Department COVID response toolkit do remain in effect. And as they have throughout the pandemic, families will still have the option to continue to choose um, learning remotely if that is the best option for their family and schools will continue maintaining the online option for all families who choose to do so. We'll be respecting tribal public health orders and those districts um, that are near tribal lands will be engaging in tribal consultation as they make plans to expand in-person learning. And our high risk staff, the exemption for those staff will remain in place until two weeks after their final vaccine dose has been made available, at which point the employee and the employer can engage in conversation about what uh, accommodations, if any, should continue uh, with that employee. 
So in the main guidance document that we've been working off of for many months now, uh, we have been up to this point operating in the red remote category and the yellow hybrid category. We're excited now to be shifting into the green full reentry category. And so we'll be, um, uh, you can already go on our website and look at our main guidance document. We'll be posting an update that has a few small changes, but um, the main portion of that is already spelled out um, and we'll be moving into the green section now in that main reentry guidance document. So as we move forward, safety is still number one. That's still our number one guiding principle. We will still be adhering to all of our COVID safe practices and our complaint portal and enforcement processes will still be live. So as we come back, every school still needs to make sure that, that masks are available for all students and staff and worn um, in the manner in which they are supposed to be that six feet social distancing is maintained to the greatest extent possible and that we have cleaning supplies, hand sanitizer, uh, and soap and supplies in our bathrooms available at all times. In addition, compliance with our indoor air quality standards is still in effect, that we have isolation rooms ready for all those students if they begin to show symptoms, and that there are protocols and signage to delineate how you enter and exit the buildings that there's signage about prevention practices throughout the schools, and that there are protocols in place for students who begin to exhibit symptoms, whether they're on the bus or before they enter the school building for the day. We've sent out detailed guidelines around indoor air quality and how to create um, safe environments that mitigate the, the risk of airborne transmission of the virus in classrooms. And so the, the, um, the protocols and policies that we put in place will be in effect for all schools throughout the state. And school meals, and, and I really wanna stress this enough, and I know Dr. Scrace will, and Dr. Collins will also agree with this, that, that meals are gonna be one of, the, one of the areas in which we need to take the, the strictest measures to make sure that we are minimizing risk for all of our students. So our schools must conduct their meals, their snacks, their drink breaks outside to the greatest extent possible. We know that as we get into the warmer months that there will be more and more opportunities to, to leverage that. There are also federal funds that are available to help support and um, uh, for school districts to be able to, to purchase supplies and equipment to help create really strong outdoor um, uh, learning programs and be able to make sure that, that they can take advantage of that. So um, as, we, as we move forward, maximizing the amount of outdoor time that we have for meals is going to be uh, one step that, that all schools will be taking. And in addition, we have a surveillance testing program that has, that has um, uh, really helped us be proactive in catching cases of asymptomatic spread. As educators get their vaccinations um, and can prove uh, proof of vaccination, they will be exempted from the, from the surveillance testing program. But in general, we still maintain for all those who uh, haven't yet been vaccinated that we'll continue to have a 25% requirement for our red counties for all of those individuals, 12.5% for our green and yellow, and 5% now for our turquoise counties in our surveillance testing program. For school sports and activities, and we know that this has been uh, something that so many of our of our student athletes, our student musicians, and uh, all of the other activities that, that our students do have been looking forward to. Um, so for all schools throughout the state, regardless of reentry designation, um, 
we are now moving into eligibility for NMAA participation without the previous two week waiting period. Spectators are allowed for the extracurricular events, um, including the NMAA sanctioned sports and activities in compliance with the public health order under the limits that are applicable to large entertainment venues and COVID safe practices are still in place for uh, both participants and spectators at all of our NMAA sanctioned activities and sports programs. And then the singing of playing and wind instruments um, at, the, at indoor events will be prohibited. So for sports and activities, um, you can see here the, the different delineations that we have for spectators in accordance with the public health order. 75% um, outdoors uh, in our turquoise counties and 33% indoors, 50 and 25 in our green counties, and then 25% outdoors in our yellow counties. And at this time, per the public health order, uh, red counties are not permitted to have spectators. All information about this can be found on our website and you can use this bit.ly link here, bit.ly back to school NM. And as per our NMAA sports guidance, if you have a student and they have come down with a COVID-19 infection, they have to complete the self-isolation period and receive clearance before they return back to participation in their activity. Um, and then all close contacts need to quarantine, but the, game, the team's practices and games may still continue as those close contacts are quarantining. For the singing and playing of wind instruments, and I know this is another one that, that Dr. Scrace and, and Dr. Collins uh, will be will all be looking at very closely. We have developed music specific COVID safe practices to make sure that music classes can be conducted safely. Again, that will be available in the COVID-19 response toolkit. So with music, the COVID safe practices that we'll have in place are that singing and playing of wind instruments need to take place outdoors only. The indoor playing and singing will be limited to individual practice sessions in, in practice rooms. Sharing of instruments will be prohibited and each student will need to have their own instrument specific multi-layered cloth. And this will help contain the, um, the potential for aerosol transmission. Um, and so we've worked with our band directors and we've worked with our public health officials to make sure that we can uh, have the right guidance to limit that aerosol transmission. And students need to be responsible for cleaning and maintaining those bell covers as they are um, bringing their instruments every day. So implementing and training these protocols is gonna be critically important. Uh, we're going to require that all students as you're, as you're playing instruments or engaging in choir, that it's happening outdoors with expanded social distancing requirements while you're playing or singing, and then six feet of social distancing at, at all other times, and that we have sanitation spray available to clean and disinfect instruments. So the big question of the day is when does my school open? Uh, this will be a local decision um, as to how it gets implemented, but the expectation across the state is that every single school and every student um, is open for full in-person learning by April 5th. So your school or your district administration will determine the specifics of the timeline uh, within that timeframe uh, as it works for your community and taking into account local health conditions. And so we encourage all of our school leaders to work very closely with their families, their educators, their school staff, and their community members as we lead up to April 5th and bring all of our students back for full in-person learning. 
we've been waiting for this for a long time. We know that this has been a long year. It's been incredibly hard being away from the in-person learning environment that we've all come to know and that we know so many of our students need and require, but it's time New Mexico, we're coming back, we're coming back safely. It's time to ring the bell and take this next step forward in what has been a year long series of, a year long series of, of moves to get us back to this important milestone. So with that, we welcome your questions and I'll stop my screen share. Thank you, secretaries. We'll begin our questions with Julia Goldberg from the Santa Fe Reporter. Julia, go ahead. Uh, thank you, sorry, can you hear me? Yes. Um, Dr. Collins and Dr. Scrace or any, any doctors can answer this. How large is the new group of eligible educators and how many vaccines is New Mexico getting? And then will people in the earlier part of phase 1B be delayed at all? Thank you. Yeah, so thank you, Julia. The total um, educator number on our portal right now is 53,805. And as far as those with at least one shot already who are educators, it's 22,944. And the total number who are fully vaccinated, it's 11,616. So right now we've got 20,981 scheduled to receive their first shot this month. Um, we're still, what we're doing is we're not getting extra doses to um, respond to this federal directive but we are certainly trying to maintaining priority of healthcare personnel, 75 plus in chronic conditions. So any of those folks who have existing appointments, they will keep those appointments. It's just that moving forward, we're prioritizing the educators. And you ask about number of doses. Um, at this time, we're over 80,000 doses that we're getting each week. Thank you, Dr. Collins. Next, we'll go to Shelby Perea with the Albuquerque Journal. Go ahead, Shelby. Yes, thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Um, my question is a clarifying one. Um, Secretary Stewart, could you clarify whether um, it will be up to districts and charters? You said there's still some local control there. Can you go into more detail and then really making it clear to readers whether this is required for districts and charters to open? Thank you. Thank you, Shelby. Uh, appreciate the question. And just to clarify, um, all schools across the state do need to be open by, by April 5th. And so that gives about a month for planning. And come that April 5th time, um, we, we, we as a state do expect that every, every school is open for full in-person learning. Thank you, Secretary. Next, we'll go to James Barron with the Santa Fe New Mexican. Go ahead, James. Uh, Secretary, um, I guess the question that I do have here is that, is there any kind of wiggle room for school districts, you know, that may struggle with trying to get their classrooms ready for April 5th, or is this a hard and fast um, timeline that all school districts and charter schools must face? Thanks for the question, James. And we know that, that our districts have been preparing for this uh, for a long time. Uh, we've done 
uh, site visits at uh, over two thirds of the schools uh, across the state who have put in place all of the um, COVID safe practices and indoor air quality measures. Uh, and we'll be continue to, to finalize the rest here in, in the coming weeks. So we know that preparations have been taking place for a long time. Uh, this will be the, the, the last milestone to get everybody back and the public education department public education department will put um, every resource it has available um, to help any school or district that needs a support in order to um, to meet the April 5th deadline. Thank you, Secretary. Now we'll go to Brittany with KOB4. Go ahead, Brittany. Hi, thank you guys so much for your time. Um, my question is in regards to some of the teachers who I guess have had concerns, you know, now that you're allowing them to be vaccinated, they had other concerns that, you know, they're going to come back to the classroom and students won't be vaccinated. Um, when we're talking about these these huge groups um, and these huge schools, what is the message, I guess, um, to those teachers with those fears um, that their students still aren't vaccinated? And is it a little bit of mixed messaging where, you know, we're asking businesses to, you know, abide by these regulations and then we're, we're ordering schools to have massive am amounts of students there? Thank you. Thank you, Brittany, for the question. I'll take um, a, a first uh, crack at it and then uh, Dr. Collins, Dr. Scrace, if, if either of you would like to, to weigh in as well. Um, when, it, when it comes to the, the process of going back, schools have put in place numerous safety measures, which I outlined before, to make sure that we can do this safely. And, and we've been closely looking at the, the guidance coming from the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, um, to make sure that we are continuing to, to update our toolkit and stay in line to make sure that we've got um, significant practices in place to, to, mitigate, to mitigate the spread of, of any virus in a school. And we've seen that be very effective so far in the work that we've done since, since schools have opened back up. And, and furthermore, I think the, the news that Dr. Scrace shared uh, just a while ago was also very encouraging that um, even in the, the last few weeks, we've made uh, significant headway in getting case counts down and, and making schools even safer for that. So, so we certainly do expect that every single school will continue to follow the guidelines that we've put out um, that have been proven effective. Dr. Scrace, Dr. Collins, anything you'd like to add? Go ahead, Dr. Scrace. Okay, yeah, th I think it's a really good question. I think the message though, your question was, well, what's the message here? The message is that schools are safe. You know, when we did the modeling in the medical advisory team, it actually, uh, kids were less likely to get COVID in a well-supervised school where COVID safe, safe practices are strictly enforced and they are not being in school. Schools are uh, in communities are three times safer in general now than they were uh, six weeks ago. And, you know, there are no vaccinations for children anyway. So, uh, waiting for kids to be vaccinated, uh, you know, isn't necessarily something we even have right now. Those are being tested. And I guess the last thing I would say about that as well is uh, that we believe that uh, the vaccine process with teachers it can, re can be reassuring, can help a little bit, but this uh, reopening of all schools isn't built on the back 
of a new vaccination plan. The foundation for reopening schools is schools are safe. They're safer than they were six weeks ago. And our own data uh, in New Mexico here for four weeks is very reassuring. Thank you. Thank you, doctors. Next, we'll go to Jackie Kent with KRQE. Go ahead, Jackie. Hi, everyone. Thank you for your time on the topic of sports in terms of waiving that two-week waiting period for those sports to happen. Is this for spring and fall sports? And does this mean the NMAA could potentially need to come up with new schedules for those sports? Thank you. Thanks for the question, Jackie. Um, this does apply to all sports, uh, fall, winter, spring, and we have been in contact with the NMAA who uh, will be working with, um, with the schools who are impacted to make sure that uh, they're able to uh, get them scheduled and, and work through any of the uh, logistical efforts that will be involved. Thank you. Now we'll go to Chris McKee with KRQE. All right, thanks a lot. Um, I wanted to ask about the uh, sort of timeline. Do you expect that there will be any districts that are not ready by April 5th? And what happens if you get pushback from districts who say, we just can't possibly open by April 5th or we don't have the teachers? Um, what sort of happens if, if you get the pushback that a lot of people don't want to go back to school. Thank you. Yeah, great question there, Chris. And I think the first the first uh, part of that uh, equation for us is we're going to be working very closely with every district and charter school across the state. If there is a district that's encountering uh, a problem uh, in their plan to come back, we're going to work with them to try to understand what the nature of that problem is and how we at the state can help problem solve through that. Um, the expectation is that we do have everybody uh, back April 5th. And so, again, every resource that we have available at the state to uh, support a school or a district to be able to make that happen if they're struggling, we'll, we'll bring that to bear and, and work with them to get there to meet that milestone. Thank you. Now we'll go to Colleen with the Albuquerque Journal. Go ahead, Colleen. Hi there, thanks for taking our questions. I was interested in, in the uh, issue of the substantial progress being made in getting folks vaccinated. And I'm wondering what percent of those registered are still waiting to get vaccinated? Yeah, it's a great question and I could pull the numbers for you. I don't have them in front of me right now, but I'm happy to get that information for you. Thank you, Dr. Collins. Next, we'll go to Sean Griswold with NM In-Depth. Sean, go ahead. Hello. Is, can, any, can everybody hear me? Yes, we can. Okay, I apologize for that. Um, so, okay, so my question is related to tribal sovereignty, which Secretary Stewart mentioned is going to be um, adhered to and respected to regarding the reopening uh, phase. Um, I'm curious, especially considering tribal communities have had different rollouts um, because they're federally administered, including some vaccine rollouts that offered the vaccines to teachers 
um, you know, once the vaccines became available. So there's already a population of educators within these tribal school districts um, that are already vaccinated. So I'm wondering, does PED track um, or has had any good communication with tribal EOCs um, to determine how many school staff and educators in tribal um, education districts are already vaccinated? So um, I'll, I'll speak to that at first and then I'll ask Secretary Collins or Secretary Scrace if they have any additional information. But uh, we're, we're in constant communication with um, tribal communities throughout the state with regard to both their, their plans for their schools and um, the, the tribal consultation process with districts um, who have schools on tribal lands. And so um, as we've been, um, as we've been working through this, we have been talking with tribal education directors and tribal leaders about how this will all work. With regard to the specific numbers that you ask, I don't have those numbers handy. Um, and I don't know Secretary Collins or Scrace if, uh, if either of you would have access to those specific numbers of um, vaccinated individuals. Secretary Stewart, no, I do not. Thank you both. We're going to come back to a follow-up from Shelby with the Albuquerque Journal. Go ahead, Shelby. Thank you. Um, I just have two questions. The first is how much advance notice were, were districts given before this public announcement? And then the second being, um, you know, this is a big shift from allowing districts to opt into a hybrid model. Could you give readers just a summary as to why now and what were the key factors that led to the more widespread reopening? Thanks, Shelby. On the, the first question, our district leaders were informed this morning of the of their uh, expectation to have our schools up and running uh, a month from now. And the second question that you ask about why are we doing this now? Our goal all along has been to get our students back into classrooms with their teachers and to do it safely. And so we've we've watched very carefully since the fall. Um, we've both stood up all of our um, infrastructure to make sure that the schools could be safe. We've watched the data as it's come out about schools and, and the amount of safety um, uh, that schools provide. During the surge period in the late fall and early winter, we took extra precautions to make sure that, that we were setting ourselves up not to have outbreaks at that time so we could get to this point. And so we've, we've made a lot of investment in the infrastructure and the right kinds of decisions to, to build the, the practices that, that keep our schools safe so we could get to this point. And uh, given the fact that, that CDC and, and others and, and much of the data over the first semester, um, it has shown that schools are safe. Given the fact that we've expanded in-person learning here in New Mexico for the last month, and we're seeing that that is still proving that schools are operating safely in all portions of the country and all in all different colors of the counties. Um, and given the fact now that um, uh, we're able to continue to offer our educators even more peace of mind um, as we have more more vaccines that roll out, um, we feel that that we have a, a, a very strong program in place to, to make this happen and to make it happen very well. And, and Dr. Grace, Dr. Collins, uh, if, if either of you would like to, to add anything, please do. Well said, Secretary Stewart. I have nothing further to add. Thank you. And I agree with Secretary Collins. The only thing I would say is I certainly have gotten a 
plethora of emails from concerned parents pushing very, very hard to get their kids back in full-time school. So I think uh, we're also in all this responding to the needs of families to get their kids, all their kids in person, we had a better education. Thank you all so much. Next, we'll go to Cedar Atanasio with the Associated Press. Cedar, go ahead. Hi, thanks everyone for doing this. And um, Secretary Collins will definitely be looking forward to that percent registered who've been vaccinated. Um, um, we started to notice that a lot of hybrid, that the definition of hybrid meant that students were in schools, but not necessarily teachers. I'm just curious, um, Secretary Stewart and Scrace, with the full-time, is that gonna mean, uh, could students be in full-time or does that mean that teachers will be full-time too? Cedar, uh, we expect our, our, our staff are fully coming back and our students are coming back and that, that we're back to full in-person <laughs> learning. Uh, again, still with our COVID safe practices in place, but that, that, that everyone is coming back. Uh, the exception that I would say there, Cedar, is uh, what I mentioned earlier. The the automatic exemption that we have in place for our our staff who are um, high risk, so either elderly or have a, a medically uh, underlying condition, that exemption will stay in place for two weeks until after they've received or been or their final dose has been made available to them. So for the the Pfizer and Moderna. That's two weeks after their second shot for the for the Johnson and Johnson. Two weeks after um, their the single shot, um, and at that point, the employer will work with the employee around any accommodations that need to be made. But even still, the way in which our schools have operationalized this—that's not necessarily a barrier to getting uh, all of your students back. We know that there have been many creative ways that that schools have have operationalized um, the ability to to manage. Um, uh, and still, still fully utilize their uh, full school staff to be able to 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 make that work. So we'll be working with schools and districts who are who are navigating that over the course of the the time period here. Um, but the expectation is that that everyone's coming back fully. Uh, oh, actually, Cedar, let let me say one more thing about that as well. Um, we do know that that there will be many families who still choose to remain remote. Um, and so as many families are choosing to remain remote and in that online instruction, there will still be a need for remote instruction from teachers. So it may be the case that you do have some teachers who remain remote to facilitate the learning in that program still. Um, but again, everyone who wants access to full in-person learning, all students who want in access to in full in-person learning will still be coming back in and schools will be making those local decisions on staffing to, to manage both of those programs. Thank you, Secretary Stewart. I think we have time for one final follow-up. Shelby, go ahead. Thank you. Yes, my, my last question was, will schools be required to maintain the six feet social distancing and if so, in the building, could you explain how that would work for, say, an APS school that has high amount of students but just doesn't have that physical square footage to make that happen? What would occur in those instances? Thanks, Shelby. Really important question. And if you look at our main guidance document, when you shift into the green full reentry 
um, phase. It's, it's maintaining social distancing to the greatest extent possible. And we know that that six feet is still the goal. We also know that uh, as you bring more students back, that it won't always be six feet at all times. So we will be encouraging all schools to take advantage of the outdoor programs that they have, both for learning and for meals. And in addition, we know we've seen many schools who have um, utilize things like physical barriers, um, uh, plastic dividers between um, between students, and so on. That again, every every effort that we make helps reduce the possibility of transmission even more. And so we will be encouraging uh, actions like that to take place, especially for those um, for those schools for whom size is a is a is a concern. And um, and uh, I think the one thing I just want to stress is maintaining the the um, hand washing, the hygiene, the the mask wearing, the whole suite of of practices that we have in place remains critically important. Thank you so much. That brings our questions to a close. Secretary Stewart or Drs. Grayson Collins, if you have any closing remarks, please feel free to share them at this time. I'll uh, I'll let Drs. Grayson, Dr. Collins go first. If either has anything to to say. Well, as you know, I can never res resist the opportunity to tell people to continue wearing masks, maintain that social distancing. Parents, uh, as Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young would say, teach your children well, explain to them what going back to school means and the importance of wearing those masks, social distancing, outdoor eating whenever, uh, you know, every single time if possible. And, uh, and, and uh, <clears throat> I think that we've got a, we're seeing really great response already to the vaccine. And that's really what's allowing us statewide now to open the door further. So uh, don't don't stop doing what you're doing, even if you've already been vaccinated for now. And uh, we'll talk about that more at a future press conference. Thank you. Yes, I agree with Dr. Scrace. Thank you. I would just close by saying that this has been a long time coming. It's been a long year. Uh, we've been waiting anxiously for a year to get here. Um, it's because of the efforts that so many people have made to, to create safe um, in-person learning environments that we're able to take this step. It's because our students have stepped up, worn their masks, have followed the hygiene practices that we've asked of them that we're able to, to mitigate outbreaks. And it's because of the efforts of uh, partners like we have here, Department of Health and Human Services Department, our medical advisory team and our modeling team, helping to make sure that the medical community the vaccine community, the distribution was so incredibly efficient that we were able to make this level of progress to, to make uh, educators um, the, the priority here to get their vaccines in the next three weeks. A lot of work has gone into this, a lot of time, research and energy has come into this. And I get to uh, uh, proudly say that we get to ring the bell and, and bring our students back. Uh, and I'm very happy for, for both our educators who will be receiving the vaccines, back in the classroom with their students and students who have missed their peers, missed their sports, uh, to be able to come back um, into, into physical proximity. And we're all in this together to make it work. Thank you all for joining us. Have a great day. Thank you.